Welcome, everybody, uh, to the latest episode of I Know Right, um, where we talk about all things that affect recruiters um, inside and outside of the recruiting world. Today, we're talking about something that is freaking all of you out. I can tell by the number of uh, emails I get, um, and it is this new pay equity law. Um, and how it's affecting how you talk to candidates. Um, and it's hilarious because all of you send me emails, and at some point in the email it says, here's what I think, but I'm not a lawyer. Okay. Uh, and I thought, well, maybe we should actually talk to a lawyer. So uh, my guest this week is Lisa Zacquardelli, um, who practices in all areas of civil litigation, but she has a lot of expertise in employment law litigation. She's been dealing with this issue uh, since its inception um, and uh, is a frequent lecturer on a lot of employment issues, in, including seminars on sexual harassment and diversity. But today we're talking about the pay equity law. Lisa, welcome. And good afternoon. Hi, uh, hi everyone. So uh, full disclosure, yeah, thanks for being here. Full disclosure, uh, Lisa um, is Hobson Associates, a corporate lawyer, um, and it's so much nicer to talk to you about something other than someone suing me. Um, it's fantastic. <laughs> um, so for the uninitiated, Lisa, let's talk first about what the law is. Uh, most okay. recruiters simply uh, understand it to be employers in the states that have this law will be prohibited from seeking the compensation history of a prospective employee prior to them making an offer unless the employee has voluntarily disclosed the information. Is that pretty much it? Well, it, it, it is in certain states, so maybe we should, we, maybe we back up a little bit. So, sure. so the, the idea of these pay equity laws and really is in part because there was this idea that, or, or general consensus, that the federal law, there's, there's been an Equal Pay Act law on the books for, for many, many years under the federal law, and the, the, the concept of these pay equity laws in, the, in various states that have enacted them is, is that it just didn't go far enough, that, that it, when employers requested information about an applicant's pay history, it was essentially sort of perpetrating the 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 concept or the idea that there there was pay equity because if, if a female employee has to disclose what what they were earning or are earning in a in a particular job and an and, an, and a new employer bases an employment decision or a, a pay decision on that that it sort of perpetrates the discrimination so. So there is that piece of it, and, and not all of the laws are the same. I mean, Massachusetts is very clear on this, um, that you can't request the information from the applicant or from a former employer, um, so, so, but the laws differ in that regard. So. Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny, when I first heard about the law, I, you know, and I think all recruiters are this way, and probably all of your business clients, we all uh, sort of bristle whenever government tries to do anything that affects our businesses, um, and I first was like, look, we got this, we know how to talk about compensation, but then as I read the, um, uh, the actual laws, um, I was like, well, yeah, we're guilty, because 
Um, yeah. They have this thing called the start. They have this thing called the start low, stay low phenomenon, which has been shown that employees employees who begin their careers on a lower salary track continue to be paid lower, and that gap in pay increases over time because employers very naturally say, "What are you making, Lisa?" And you tell me X, and then I make my decision on what to pay you based on what you're making. And they showed right. this graph online that showed that the start low, stay low phenomenon over time has created a generation of women making a lot less money than men, even, as you say, even though there's been a federal law on the books since the 60s. It's crazy. Right, right. And, that, and that's, that's really what, especially the Massachusetts law. So Massachusetts is really the first state, um, and that law becomes, goes into full effect next year to ban employers from seeking that information directly. And that's really what it's targeted at. And it's targeted exactly what, you're, you know, the... The, the information is showing out there in terms of statistics is that it does, unfortunately, carry forward. So, it, it, I, you know, I do think when you look at it from that perspective, um, there, there is a rationale behind it, and it's probably a legitimate one. So, well, yeah, the, the, the number I keep reading is 80%, that 80% right. full-time working yes. women are paid 80% of what men were earned for the same, substantially the same jobs in 2016. And I, I don't care who you are, you've got to understand that that's just flat wrong. So, I mean, I think we have to understand that the, the law has a really good intent. So let's, So now you mentioned Massachusetts and... Um, you know, I was called about Massachusetts a few months ago, and then in, in the interim, um, New York, California, Nebraska, yeah. which is a red state. I thought this was going to be basically a blue state thing. Uh, now Nebraska, which is clearly a red state, and I guess New Jersey sort of still figuring out their law. But um, when the last I knew, and I looked this up last week, the, according to the American Association of University Women, in 2016 there were 60 bills. Um, that were being discussed in 20 states. So this is my big question to you. There's going to be people listening to this podcast in Texas or, or South Dakota or Georgia saying, well, that's your problem up there in the, the Northeast. Um, I'm going to still talk to candidates the way I want. Is it fair to say that this is going to be like medical marijuana, only nowhere near as much fun, that it's just going to spread? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's gonna... one of the things... I love talking about marijuana and guns too. So those are two hot topics. But <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I do, I do think that uh, you know when you look at where the, the the laws are currently enacted, it's like you look at you you do focus on the blue states. Of course, you bring up the Nebraska, which is a little bit of a hyperbole, but but or, or out there, or, you know, sort of a mm. you don't expect it necessarily. But right. there is, you know, there's a an industry there that that it's not surprising i i do think that states i i don't think what what i don't think is that the federal uh government especially under the trump administration is going to make any further changes to the federal laws i mean that there is already a law on the books with respect to as i said the equal pay act there's the federal contractors have to have transparency in terms of, so it's not just pay equity, but it's that transparency uh, piece of right. it. have to have transparency. And I, but I think what you're going to see is states are going to be more likely to take up the mantle of 
try, of, of trying to get these laws enact, enacted in their own states because, in part, they don't think that the federal government is either going to enforce the laws that are out there, and you know, some of this is, you know, what the Department of Labor, what the OFCCP does with federal contractors. So, so there's a sense that well, maybe they're not going to be as aggressive. In, in in handling these kinds of claims or going after companies that don't provide the information. And so that's where the states will typically pick up. And so I, I actually do think that, that, that more and more states under this, where we sort of sit today, are, are likely to take a harder look and try to enact some of these you know, enact these bills. Um, well, doesn't it, and, it seems like, I mean, I realize some of these laws um, hit a tipping point, right? And, you know, I think I, I think it's pretty obvious if you've been, you know, paying attention um, over the last couple of weeks that these things tend to pick up steam. If we, if we look at, like, sexual harassment in, right. in yeah. right now, it just you can just see a tipping point, and, and, and it's just going to go that way, which is fine because it's a horrible thing. And I kind of look at this from the perspective of the states. What would be your motivation to not have a pay equity law because at some point it's almost going to be like a comparable competitive thing like if I was a, a, a woman or, or a family with two incomes why wouldn't I want to be in a state that has fair payment and, and equal pay why would I want to go to a state that is still only going to pay me 80 percent so at some point it almost becomes a, a, a fallback position to a state of we want to be competitive right right yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, we definitely agree with that. I mean, what it, what these laws force companies to do is, if companies is to take a really hard look at their metrics. How are they, how are they valuing a job? On what mm -hmm. basis are they coming to a compensation structure? And so, I, I do think that states that want to be want want to be competitive want to show that they're competitive i mean the the you know want to attract the amazons and the googles that you you see i mean those are mm -hmm. you know those are the, the big the big ones but the ges and the Aetnas and 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 other you right. know major companies that they're going to want to show that they that there is a system in place to to a st that that they've taken the time to come up with a market and an understanding of what the you know what that compensation level should be and that they've got the backup for that so so I think yes I think you're I do think you're right on that I think states yeah. in general that's like it goes to competition but it really goes to making sure that companies are doing those things creating those benchmarks. So that they 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 are they are creating a, a more competitive work environment. So sure. I mean, look, the truth is, I mean, I mean, look, the truth is, companies would try to get away for the most part. I mean, I don't think mm -hmm. they try to get away with paying what what they can. I mean, that right. they don't have to. And this really holds them to, hey, what's the skill of the position? What's the effort of the position? What are the working conditions? That's what the law is designed, or you know, these laws are designed to look at. So. And most of the laws, um, and this is where I think it gets tricky. Um, most of the laws have some version of bona fide factors can be used as yes. an exception. So, bona fide factors in some, and I think California is. Um, you've got you can use seniority and you can use um, 
location in Massachusetts, and you can use um, experience, um, you know, as a sort of a meritocracy, which has sort of always been there. But you've got to be able, under the new law, to show that these bona fide factors are tied to the position um, and that you're consistent with them, right? Correct. Yes, that's absolutely yeah. right. And that's pretty consistent. You know, the factors might be somewhat different in the laws that, uh, you know, uh, there might be certain specific factors that are identified, for example, in the New York law versus the Massachusetts versus the Maryland law versus the Nebraska law. So, look, I've got like, you know, as an employer, hey, I, I've got a good faith basis here. I've got a bona fide basis to establish this is what this this is why this position should be paid X. But yeah, those right. factors are out there, and and I and I mean, look, there are geographic regions of the company you're going to you're going to get paid more in New York because New York you're working, you're you're living, your living expenses are more, right? But they have to be tied to. It, it's, they're not just going to get away with, well, it's the geography. You're going to have to look at it. They're going to have to support the location of where the job is. So, for example, right. is it in Alston versus, you know, Quincy or whatever the case is. And they're going to have to show the cost of living is higher in exactly. New York as opposed to Albany. The, the right. point is you can't get away with any longer, well, we paid him more because he's got two kids and uh, he's got a family. Um, exactly. and, I, and I love exactly. that. That's you know, but it is important for those of us who are listening who play salespeople uh, in Massachusetts, for example, um, one of their bona fide factors is if you have a system which measures earnings by quantity or quality of production or revenue, which is a nice way of saying salespeople, then you're able to say, yes, I paid her less because she's a junior salesperson with less uh, uh, referenceable customers in a smaller territory where this gentleman happened to have a big territory with major accounts. So in order to attract him, we had to pay him more. Um, it's important to realize, though, for those of you who are already like rubbing your head, that this is more of a problem for the companies than it is for the recruiters. In other words, if you're working for three different companies or a company that has 13 different locations in a bunch of different states, then you may have to have, okay, this one's in Minnesota, this one's in Montana, this one's in Massachusetts, what are the bona fide factors in Montana? Um, but for a recruiter, it really just comes down to we're no longer able to say to a candidate, which we have forever, um, Hey Lisa, tell me what you're making. Um, right. That we can't ask. So what's what's the alternative, Lisa? What would what's a safe way for recruiters to not get themselves in legal hassles? What can I say to that candidate? Well, so 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 there is this concept, especially in the Massachusetts law, of volunteer, volunteering the information. So yes. how, how I how I and I even thought about this. Well, can you know, we've talked about this um, in our own labor and employment group. Well, can you get consent? Well, no, you can't even get a written consent, at least under the Massachusetts law. We think that the Attorney General's office would find that that kind of, you know, asking the, the applicant to consent to provide their salary history is essentially akin to asking for it. So that's yep. not going to work. But I do think what the what a re, a recruiter could do is say, okay, I want you to be, I want you to understand that under the law of you know X, and maybe you have a you know they have a particular nutshell version of what that law says. Mm -hmm. um, the the company cannot inquire of an applicant, cannot inquire of your former employer what you know what your pay history is. 
Um, but but the law does allow you to volunteer that information. I think a recruiter yeah. could say that legitimately. And sure. and and if the employee the applicant says, okay, I've considered that, and I want to tell you what my salary history is, then then that's what they're doing. And there's nothing in the law that says that the person who volunteers the information has to get legal advice or say, oh, I, I'm not sure. I better go read the regulations. So the concept of volunteer is willingly providing the information and I think if the and I think the recruiter could say legitimately this is what the law says and and this is what we are prohibited from doing and the law but the law does allow this concept of voluntarily disclosing such information so that the employer can can confirm it so Right. That's, so, you know, that's yeah, and I and, and I think that's you know a good recruiter, and I mentioned this in seminars. A good recruiter will probably, once he gets to know that candidate, point out to him or her there may be some strategic or competitive advantages at some point in the interview process for you to volunteer it. That does say something about your interest, um, your forthrightness, you know, your ability to trust. Um, it might separate you in some ways, but it's clearly their, you know, their uh, decision to make. So if we were to not to parse these things, but these are the things that the recruiters on this podcast are concerned about. So it's safe to say, since I can't say what are you making, and keep in mind this is there are people listening to this who've been doing it that way for 20 or 30 years who are saying to themselves, well, what do I say? They can certainly say, what are your salary expectations, or what is your target income for this job, or you can say the job pays approximately X. How do you feel about that? All of those questions are okay, right? You just can't yes. say what are you yes. making, and you can't ask right. them to write down their salary history. A lot of people listening to this podcast routinely have candidates send them emails with their salary history and everybody has to understand on this call you as an agent of that company you cannot ask you can't say well I'm not yeah. the company you can't do that anymore and you know you're if Lisa's right and this does spread um, then you're going to be putting yourself at risk and putting your clients at risk because Lisa there's some pretty significant damages Right for a company. There are. There I mean, are. I mean, the statutes. The, the statutes vary, but for example, Massachusetts, um, the 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 applicant. You can bring a private. There's a private right of action. So the applicant could bring a private right of action. Could sue for wages plus what we call liquidated damages, which is basically double damages plus attorney's fees. Um, you know, New York also has a very similar penalty. So liquidated damages double what the wage are so that that's pretty significant yeah. Plus, you know they hire a lawyer and uh, we, you know these these law, uh, cases get could get very costly the other thing is is that the Attorney General also has a right to bring uh, a separate enforcement action in various states so no let, let me put it this way nobody wants a state Attorney General poking in a company's business or even a recruiters business um, because the, that the attorney general, it's like uh, any investigation. They can open the investigation not only into what the wage practice is and how that's how that information is being gathered and what the questions are, but they can look at other wage practices. So right, it, and open up Pandora's box. Yeah, exactly. I get it. Exactly. It, it's a. It's definitely a risk, and uh, I, you know, I, I think that that you will find. 
especially as these, you know, the, you know, the some of the laws have been around a little, you know, California, I think, enacted theirs in 2016. Um, like I said, um, Massachusetts isn't technically going effect until next year of 2018, but you you will start to see if the laws are, you know, if there's some inkling that this information has been disclosed or there's some issue on pay equity, plaintiff's lawyers will go after the company and the recruiter as an agent of the of the company. So. Sure, and, and to make it real, um, we have an office in San Francisco, and, and California's was in 2016, and I guess in yes. place now, and uh, uh, six months ago, um, we didn't get anyone who seemed to know anything about the Pay Equity Act, and now uh, my senior recruiter out there, Jody, says it's about one out of four calls. One out of four calls, a candidate will say, well, you can't ask me that question. Well, I don't have to answer that. Um, so if that's the way it is in six months, then you know you can guarantee that it's it's going to get to that point pretty quickly. And what I tell everybody who goes, oh my God, this is changing so much, what I tell everybody is it really only changes two things. You can't how you handle the candidate in the beginning and then how you educate your clients as to how to handle it because uh, clients have to know that they can't ask that question on an interview either um, but you know keep in mind this is a competitive advantage too if you're the recruiter who knows the law and is in full compliance and you're educating your client then you're showing some more value than to the average recruiting firm who's never heard of this and isn't right. on this podcast and is breaking the law every single day so it might turn out to be a competitive advantage having said that would you recommend um, and I'd be shocked if you said no because you're a lawyer. Um, but should, should we have it? Should we have in our fee agreements some language that says, you know, uh, Hobson Associates is in full compliance with the Pay Equity Act, and if it's if it applies to your state, we will not be asking candidates for their salary history. Should would that be helpful? Would that cover us I in some way? Yes. I mean, I certainly think it. it I certainly think it's language that puts the uh, employer on notice. And, yep. and it also puts the recruiter uh, who's doing the who's doing the actual work for Hobson on notice as well that this is not something like that that the employer understands that you take it as an affirmative obligation that you are you are fully you know compliant with the with what the laws are in the various states and that you're going to make sure that those questions are not asked and and it, and if the employer is going to be Seeking you to get that information, then they're not they're, they're not going to get it from you. So yeah, right, I, right, I I think right. I definitely I definitely think that some language like that um, in an agreement is is perfectly appropriate. So and, I, mean, and, and I I really do think when you look at the states that have already enacted the laws, I I, I do think that that this is going to be the place where the the the, the Plaintiffs' lawyers and the attorney generals are going to be are going to are going to be more vigorously looking at them. So uh, yeah, t totally. And yeah, it 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 made me pretty nervous when I first heard about it. And uh, and and I I say this on Lisa's behalf. She never would 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 uh, say this uh, in a podcast, but. Um, Lisa's an expert. Joanne will have a link to her company, um, so feel free to follow up with her because she can help you with those agreements. So one other little thing, and then we can finish with the bigger picture. So the micro picture, I've had a few people say to me, Lisa, um, okay, 
So now we get to the end of the process, and most companies, after they've made an offer, because they can't ask me for an offer, but most companies at the end say, okay, Joanne, uh, you've accepted the job, you start in two weeks, now you have to take a physical, a drug test, and we verify, background check, we verify your, your education and your income. So can we still verify income? Well, so, so it, dep it depends on the state, okay? Ah, okay. So you can't, you cannot, um, once you are in a negotiation with the employee, you've made a job offer, and you're in, for example, in Massachusetts, and you're negotiating with the, the, the employee on salary, at that point you can seek to verify the information from a former employer. Okay, that's mm -hmm. that at, at that at that stage. But um, the the and, that, and that's particular to Massachusetts. So w once you're in that negotiation stage, where you're trying to get that, you're trying to confirm information. And I, and I'll tell you and I'll tell you the other thing. The other thing is many employers now are simply not providing that information because they're right. concerned on their end. So. A lot of employers, what they are, what they will provide is the last position held and dates of employment. And beyond right. that, they're not they're they're not always willing to provide any further any verification of what the uh, employee was making on that you know on that last date. So, yeah, I think we've all experienced that as recruiters. We find that you know, 10 years ago you could say, hey, Lisa, tell me about Joanne's work and would you hire her again and tell me about her as a person. And now all they want to give you is name, rank, and serial number um, because they just don't want to get involved. Right. So, so I mean, so exactly. So, so you know, Massachusetts, the Massachusetts law allow, allows or leaves open the, essentially the possibility. It doesn't shut, it doesn't, Say that this is a, an improper practice. That the after the, after the employee is given a job offer and there's discussion about or compensation is negotiated, you can the employer could confirm the salary history with the former employer. But that's only after that offer has been made or that the applicant the applicant forget about it, it has made the voluntary voluntary disclosure. So, Understood. Understood. Yeah. But you see yeah. my point. As a practical matter, yes. Um, yes. if somebody was making $75,000 but but when was asked, what are you looking for for income, they said 100 and the company gave them an offer of 110 and then verified the income and found the person was only making 75 but made that offer contingent on them passing this background check and verification, theoretically, you'd be discovered as being, you know, um, uh, either a liar or someone who was puffing up their numbers in order to get a bigger salary, and theoretically companies would would withdraw the offer. Um, but I don't know that. Right. I mean, so, it that's just... why, so that goes back to my point, Danny, that yeah. that the employer is supposed to be making this judgment call on the position, right? And right. It's supposed right. To be really supposed to honing in on the factors about that compensation. So Right, so if so, they did withdraw, they were actually violating the act, right? So you right. so they would be they would be yes. exposed again even though they were doing it yes. after the fact. 
Yeah. Yes. All right. So last thing I want to ask you, and I know you don't have a crystal ball, but I read this statistic from uh, McKinsey, who normally does good market research, but they, they heard about this law and they said, it's a 2016 study by McKinsey, and they said among companies, and I don't know how they define this, but among companies that have close to parity in their pay, they are 15% more likely to outperform their competition. Well, that's one study and uh, I don't know what the, what the actual industry was or whether it was cost industries. So I guess my question is, it's such a good intent, right? I mean, we should stop people from being able to pay women less than men for the same job. There's no question about that. I was shocked by this whole crisis because the recruiting industry is, is slightly more women than men, and we're a commission-based industry, so we eat what we kill. So there's no such thing right. as paying women less than men in the recruiting industry. So this is shocking to some of the people that are on the podcast. I guess my question is, having been through things like sexual harassment laws and diversity laws and ADA laws, do you think this law will work? Do you think it will stick? Uh, right. I think that it depends. I mean, I, I – well, how should I say this? I think that – I think – Good companies that want to be good corporate citizens, um, they'll comply with the law and they'll make a, 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 a you know really concerted effort to comply with these laws and to make sure that they've done all these metrics. Um, but but you know really what it's going to going to come down to is I think you know how whether there there really is much enforcement so unfortunately right. you know uh, employers sometimes have to be hit with a stick to to get to actually get make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing right. so i think it'll right. work i i think that if you look at the equal pay act the equal pay act has been on the books for a very long time massachusetts actually had a, a comparable work uh, statute going back to the 19, I think it's the 1940s. So, so do I think it'll work? I, I, I would hope that companies are more sensitive to it, and yeah. therefore they will make a more more concerted effort. And that's just because of the environment that we're in. Um, but, but I mean, like I said, the Equal Pay Act has been around for a long. Time and uh, and so why is it that that law wasn't as effective? Well, part of it is enforcement, not paying attention, but part of it is also people just weren't as sensitive to it. Companies weren't yeah. as sensitive to it. Now yeah. they have to be, and quite frankly, it's because you know more than half of the graduates that are coming out of the college or college are women, and right. and and with advanced degrees, you see it whether you see it in um, met the fields of medicine and science. I mean, you you know, law. The the you know, you're seeing more and more women going into these fields. So for companies to be competitive and have to attract and keep women, they have to adjust those. Um, yeah. right. And the, and the, right. the other component of that is all of these laws now say you cannot prohibit employees. From talking about their compensation, so yeah. what that is is, you know, employees are they can talk about, hey, what are you making? And a lot of companies used to have these policies on the books, hey, we can't discuss, uh, you can't discuss amongst yourselves what the compensation history is. Well, that's no longer the case, and so that's also why I think it's these laws are more likely to try to, you know, equalize some of this uh, going forward. 
No. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. Yeah, but and I hear you loud and clear. It'd be nice if they did it because it's the right thing to do, because clearly it is. Yeah. But yeah. if it's in their best interest, it's more likely to do it. And and yet I feel good about it because I feel like it's, there's this uh, tipping point. You can just feel the momentum of yeah. it coming. And I really think, I hope it does work. I really do. You hope that, that it does help to even out that playing field and that companies take it seriously. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. And, Thank you. Uh, certainly happy to follow up on any questions. So. Cool. All right. Great. So Joanne will give you a link to Lisa. Um, folks, we will see you next time on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you.